Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today we are talking about Illuminate STEM. In studio with me is their founder and chair, Terrence Southern. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Great to meet you. All right, so this is something that I am fascinated with. You are a robotics engineer. That's correct. I want to talk about the field of robotics and how you got involved with this. You are very passionate about this subject, but I also want to talk about your organization, Illuminate STEM. So I think maybe the best thing to do would be to talk about your your journey with robotics, and then we'll start talking about Illuminate STEM. So when did you become a robotics engineer? So I've been in robotics now since 1999. It all started with an internship uh, at General Motors. Uh, both my parents worked at General Motors. I'm from the Detroit, Michigan, Motown. And uh, just I went into an internship, never seen a robot before, knew very little about engineering. And I got there and I said, oh, what's that? <laughs> and so I initially started my internship career in welding. And then General Motors, they said, well, what do you want to do next summer? I said, I want to do the robot. And I came back again, and I did control systems. They said, what do you want to do next summer? I said, I want to do the robot. <laughs> <laughs> and so the following summer, I did control, uh, conveyors. And they said, what do you want to do next? I said, wait, you're going to be graduating. I said, I am. But I can come back another summer. So I ended up delaying some classes. Oh, wow. And I came back a final summer, and they let me do the robotics piece. And that was uh, summer of 2002. Family of engineers? Uh, no, I'm the only engineer in the family. All right, let's talk about whether you agree or disagree with this. I feel like people are kind of born to be engineers. Do you think that that is true? I do. I think uh, it's a gift. Uh, I do think it requires a little bit of exposure, but from for me, you know, growing up in Detroit, Michigan, I had never known an engineer, didn't know what engineers did. I had a math teacher who thought I was brilliant at math, and she said, hey, engineers make a lot of money. That's what you should do. <laughs> Like bulb. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to go make a lot of money and become an engineer. It wasn't until college, or actually it was at General Motors where I discovered, ah, that's what engineers do. And so that that's kind of where that happened at. But I think, you know, I was always the kind of kid that broke things, put it back together. You know, you had the Nintendo, you had to blow in the video game, uh, the VCR, you know, you take it apart. Get As the an engineer, off. do you know why if you blow into an 8-bit Nintendo cartridge that it all of a sudden works? All of a sudden it just works. I, I don't know why it worked, why that happened. All right, maybe you can get some of your kids to figure out. That could be a summer project yeah, Why for did that kids. work for us? It always worked. <laughs> All right. Were you always good at math? Was this always a thing? Always very good at math and science. That, right. was, that was kind of my thing. You're good at math. You have teachers encouraging you. Why specifically robots? You could have probably done a bunch of different things, uh, especially given where you were living and, and your parents, you know, the job that they had. Sure. I mean, the robotics, I would say I didn't find robotics. Robotics found me. I just happened to see it, and the first time they let me program a robot – I felt like it was kind of like a video game, mm. uh, but you had control of the what it did, how it did it, and uh, and then to hit a button and watch it execute and say, hey, I made it do that. 
So uh, that was very exciting for me. That was uh, going into my senior year of school. And uh, when I left General, uh, General Motors that summer, they uh, promised me an offer. I just waited around, and I said, I, I can't wait till this happens. And during my first year at General Motors, I became the lead engineer for the uh, lead robotics engineer for the Hummer uh, H3, which was built in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. That was back in 2003, and I was the youngest How lead engineer. I was 24. And you were lead engineer. Yeah, they had, they had never done that before. They told me, said, hey, if you do this well, you're going to make it very hard for anyone who comes behind you. And if you mess it up, you, you'll do exactly what we thought was going to happen. <laughs> so, so they took a chance on me. Uh, you know, and I had a lot of experience. So four summers of internships. Yeah. I knew everybody. I kind of, and I, I think the, the biggest uh, lesson learned there was being humble enough to ask questions and, and admit that, hey, I don't know everything. What would you do? What's the right move here? And I would, you know, uh, really credit a lot of the engineers that I worked with. Uh, mentoring me and leading me down the right path and I saved the company a lot of money and I installed a lot of robots and later I won a lot of uh, engineering awards for my work in robotics. Let's talk about the robots that were that you were using building H3s. What robots did you implement? What were they doing when they were working? Sure. Uh, so I, I worked mostly with uh, KUKAs, Fanix, Motoman robots. Um, all those companies are out of Japan or Germany. Uh, they were doing a lot of welding, material handling. Uh, you know, of course, welding is the the heating of you know multiple stacks of metal. Uh, the materials moving down the line. We were building vehicles every 42 seconds. The the vehicle uh, the line would pulse and go to the next station. So you not only had to program them, but you had to reprogram them to a certain pace wow. to keep up to make sure they can complete its task by the time those 42 seconds were up. Are robots better at welding than human beings or just more consistent? Both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. Are people shocked at what robots can provide their business? Absolutely. No, they, uh, they continue to be shocked. Uh, the automotive industry has definitely led, led the charge. Uh, but, of course, what brought me here to Texas is other industries are interested in using robotics as well because they are surprised at what they're capable of. There are times where the technology just isn't mature enough, and so I would say 10, 15 years ago, the technology just wasn't ripe to go into aerospace, food and beverage, and things of that nature. Uh, but today, you know, there, there's not too much that a robot can't do. And then people have to understand, you know, first thing that they'll mention, say, oh, robots take jobs. Well, robots create a lot of jobs, a whole lot, I would say triple the amount that they take. And, you know, usually jobs are lost through attrition, retirement. You know, I've never been in a situation where they just laid or fired a bunch of people at once because a robot was So that's there. a common myth you're saying, because I think that that is one of the things, especially relating to automotive, that people would say that all the time, that these robots are going to steal. And, I mean, it's pretty common. Yes. Robots are going to steal our job. But what you're saying is, is that it's adding to the workforce and it's actually helping human beings. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're taking a... a you know, a skill, a labor, uh, labor-intensive job, and adding on a skilled labor position. That you know, if you go from pay, making minimum wage to fifteen dollars, and now you could be making fifty to seventy-five dollars an hour by becoming a robotics programmer, a maintenance person, a field technician. There's so many jobs that get added. You have programmers, coders who have to write the software, and then just all the uh, peripherals that go into the robot, such as the vision systems. Uh, you know, the welders, there, there, there's lots of different things you could be doing on that end of the work. 
Is the word robot misunderstood? You know, it's evolved. <laughs> I mean, if you started doing this, would you say 1999 was that first gig that you had? Yes. Professionally. Yes. So you've been with robots for a really long time, and that was probably when this technology really first started to be utilized on the kind of scale that, that we're talking about. What you're saying is you've seen an evolution in terms of what people understand to be a robot. Absolutely. No, uh, yeah, so when I first moved here, I remember the tollways. I think it was George Bush. And, uh, you know, there was a lady in the booth, and she, she says, hey, you know, today's my last day here as I drop some change into the little bucket. And I looked up, and I see the cameras. To me, today, that's a robot because it's a task that is taking a picture of the license plate, uh, attaching itself to your uh, – your credit card and it charges and right. it, and it operates at a high pace. I mean, there's not a car out there that can go fast enough to to miss the cameras. Those are the same cameras I use inside the plant. Uh, when you go to the uh, amusement parks, you look at some of the sensors that are used on roller coasters. Those same sensors are used in manufacturing facilities on the conveyors and for presents. You know, all that technology is everywhere. One of the things that we talked about before we started the interview was how you started in Detroit with automotive, and then you also moved to Texas to work with Frito-Lay. Correct. So I associate robots, the kind that we're talking about with military, automotive, aircraft, let's say, those types of industry, but you built robots for Frito-Lay. Yes. So it really is almost any industry now is being touched by robotics. Absolutely. I mean, just uh, you'll, you'll probably see next will be security, uh, the restaurant industry. Uh, they're, they're coming around with some pretty cool technology as it relates to robotics and where it might be used. Is there anything about robots that scares you? Nothing about robots make me nervous. There's something uh, else in there, though. You've got, but, you've got something else. To say. There's a but. <laughs> As it, so, so the second part of what I'm uh, very passionate about is artificial intelligence. You, and really? That, and that leads into, like, the data collection. Uh, the robot isn't what concerns me. It's, it's, uh, as we begin to use artificial intelligence and we collect data from different sources, the Internet or, uh, you know, surveys or just any database, uh, is it good enough to use it inside of a machine and let a machine make decisions? How long? I don't even know if we should get it. In, I, <laughs> yeah, this, this could get is pretty such deep. a dark hole. We're supposed to be talking like a black hole. We're supposed to be talking right. about illuminate STEM. How long until the singularity? And am I am I using that term correctly? Yes, you are. Uh, I think we're still a ways from there. Decades? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so. But they're working aggressively on it, so. <laughs> so you never know. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, that they'll pick up the pace. I mean, you just saw that uh, a lot of uh, automotive facilities are closing or retooling themselves to be going to electrical vehicles. You know, uh, data collection is huge right now. You go on the Internet and you click on do something on your phone and it'll pop up on your you know, PC. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we're always being tracked right now. And then you just wonder, you know, what is being collected? What information are they taking from that? Uh, I had a great experience last August, and I was uh, selected as a member of the artificial intelligence uh, discussion at the Aspen Institute. Really? Uh, I had no idea. I didn't know much about the Aspen Institute upon my arrival, but once I got in the room with all these huge major thought leaders— and I walked past Condoleezza Rice and saw these government officials. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, what is this about? Did they contact you? I, I was invited to be 
on the uh, the panel. Yes. Okay. And the discussion was around artificial intelligence and how it might be used throughout our country uh, going forward, and not just for you know I've used it in manufacturing, but then you you know spin that off into humanity and and uh, you know social justices and you know uh, unemployment and you know what are the possibilities? It, it could get tricky, but robots robots are fine. Yeah, yes or no? Robot. Have you ever worked <laughs> with or for the government? No. Okay. All right. Yes. Not right. not at all. Let's <laughs> circle back. We got to keep. I, I this I knew this interview was going to be tough because I'm just going to be going off on tangents that I'm not qualified to take off on. You're fine. What is the definition of a robot? How do you define a robot? What is it? A robot is a piece of machinery that is uh, capable of doing multiple tasks at once autonomously. Very simple. Anything that can basically help complete a task is what you're saying. Correct. That's a robot. Autonomously. Autonomously. Yeah. All right. Terrence Southern is the founder and chair of Illuminate STEM. You can find them online at illuminatestem.org. Let's talk about this organization. How long have you guys been around? So we formed officially as a 501c3 uh, five years ago. So uh, we we just celebrated five years uh, just a couple days ago. Congratulations. So, so, so thank you. What made you want to start this organization? So Illuminate STEM, you know, the, the formation of the uh, 501c3 came long after I began mentoring students. I've been mentoring kids since I was a kid, <laughs> you know, all the way back when I was teaching kids in the neighborhood how to play ba- baseball and basketball. Uh, when I became an engineer, I had my mentor uh, who's still my mentor today, he called on me after work and said, I need you down here in the basement at GM and you're going to work with these kids. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm 24 years old. I want to go what 24-year-olds do after work. <laughs> and so, I, but I came, you know, I, I did pretty much whatever he told me to do. And I got downstairs and I saw this group of kids. They were all from Detroit. And he said, who wants to meet a robot engineer? And all the kids raised their hand and that's where it all began. I couldn't say no. And for the next six weeks, me and those students, we built a robot for a competition called U.S. First Robotics Competition, which uh, is about to start here in a couple weeks again. And uh, I still keep in touch with those kids, and it became a, a passion of mine, not just the the uh, the STEM piece and for robotics and whatnot. It became a you know a ministry for me to work with kids and you know help them with making life decisions because that's what engineering is really about. Look look past the technical piece. How do you make good decisions and strategically put a plan in place to navigate your way through a decision, even though you can't see the end goal? You know, you knowing a path to get there is uh is is all about thinking. It's I, I call it kind of like the uh, the sport of the minds. Did any of those kids follow? you into engineering or robotics as a profession? So several have gone into STEM professions. Some have gone into chemists, uh, become chemists. Uh, Some are electrical engineers. Only one to date is actually a robotics engineer. Uh, I met him when he was in the fifth grade during a career uh, day. I spoke, and after I left that school, that middle school that day, I then started a middle school robotics team, and I was in Detroit, Michigan, uh, as a matter of fact, this Friday, this Saturday, or this Friday, I'm tra- traveling to Detroit, Michigan, and on Saturday, that young man will graduate from Michigan State University as a robotics engineer. His job is already secured, and uh, I helped him get a lot of internships. I'm very proud of him. Wow. And uh, from fifth grade, yeah. now he's graduating Michigan State. Yes. 
That's yeah. crazy. So, so that he is the prime example of what I was trying to do because I didn't know an engineer, and that's why I began Illuminate STEM. And said, "Man, you know, if I had known an engineer when I was in elementary school, middle school, how much further would I have gone?" Mm. Uh, I had to, you know, this was all grassroots for me to becoming an engineer. So, Illuminate STEM was uh, something I put in place, and I just didn't want any type of STEM organization. I wanted STEM, uh, a STEM organization that had engineers and professionals tied to it so that a kid could come up and say, hey, I want to be a patent attorney. Well, I know patent attorneys. I'm going to have them come talk to you so you can kind of grow, you know, from start to finish, and, you know, and so he can help guide you and mold you to be a great patent attorney. Uh, I have a, a petroleum engineer who sits on my board. I know zero about petroleum. But I'm here in Texas, and I know a lot of kids who want to know more about petroleum. So now I can use that. My board member is say, hey, talk to them about this kind of thing. How, what what schools should they be going to? Mm. What do they need to be doing right now? Let's do an experiment. Uh, you know, how do they get in front of the people uh, that are going to make good, big decisions for them down the road? And when they come out of college, how are they going to make the right kind of money? This is the the path I want to take these students so that they can take care of their families and take care of themselves in the future. We may have gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves. Sure. Explain to me what Illuminate STEM is and what you guys do. Sure. So Illuminate STEM uh, is a K-12 uh, project-based learning uh, STEM organization uh, focused on equipping, enabling, and empowering the students to, to go into career fields of uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. K through 12th grade. Yes. That's a big, big range. Yes. Is it different projects for different kids? How does this break down? Yes, we have different projects for different group of kids. Uh, our high school kids, 9th to 12th grade, they all work together. And then backing up into our, uh, I would say, 4th through 8th grade, we kind of let them work together. And then our K through 3rd grade students work together. Primarily, they do a lot with robotics, drones, 3D printers, uh, coding. I expose them to all the cool technologies of the future. Right? We're not just in there, you know, doing your normal classroom science project. <laughs> like we're doing something really uh, moving. Right now, uh, the kids have been flying drones for the last couple of weeks, and we're teaching them about the rules of the FAA. Mm. We just learned that you only have to be 16 years old to become a drone pilot. Uh, there's great money in that. Wow. That could become a job. So now I have high school students, and we're looking to get some funding for the summer so we can take at least 10 kids through our drone course so that they can become certified pilots at the age of 16, 17, 18, and then possibly get a call from a company and say, hey, we need this drone flew up to this cell tower. Can you do it for us and take pictures? I mean, and just to Is think- that something that they're doing with drones? I Absolutely. never even thought about that. Oh, yeah. So instead yeah. of having a guy climb up a 1,000-foot cell phone tower- Yes. You just the drone goes up and that's it. That's it. Whoa! Take a picture. You got a uh, roofing, construction, uh, you name it. If you got to get in the air, it's a whole lot safer with a drone. It's a whole lot faster. <laughs> On your website, which once again is illuminate stem s t e m dot org, started with about a hundred students and you're now somewhere around a thousand. So, yes. are we going to? different school districts to try and get kids to be a part of the program. How have you gotten so many kids involved with Illuminate STEM? So that comes through multiple summer camps that we have. Uh, we have a Saturday program that we meet uh, biweekly uh, throughout the month. 
in the fall right now, we worked on a robotics competition. So we have three groups of students, the elementary, middle, and high school teams. They're all working on their robot competitions. We did a little modifying to our program recently. Okay. So we kind of turned into a cohort, and the kids had to sign up, and we had them complete an application that spoke to, if you could change your community, uh, what would you do? What would you do different to make it a better place to live? And if you if you were had the opportunity to ch- make this change, can you change it with using science, technology, engineering, or math? The responses the kids came back with were just really moving. Uh, I, I always find it interesting when you ask a kid a question and give them the freedom to answer how they truly feel. Because, you know, when you're young, you don't feel like you can say certain things because you're young. Right. Right. You know, right. I don't want anyone to get upset at me. But uh, I spoke with the parents, and they were very open with their kids, and they let them respond how they wanted to. Uh, we worked with a very underserved group, and these kids came back with, you know, all the way from, you know, I wish that, you know, uh, the lights worked in my in my neighborhood. Well, we're going to turn that into a project and call the city council members and say, hey, these kids got a project. We need some funding. You know, can we start getting solar lamps in certain places? I think there's a lot of different things that we can do, and I want the kids to not just be become professionals uh, in their careers, but uh, impactful activists in their communities say, I can, we can fix our own problems and be part of the solution and not just, you know, be what we hear a lot of in the community. Like, why isn't this? Why isn't this? And like, the question is, why don't you do it? Right. Don't wait for things to happen. We want to be action takers and dream makers. So we, we want to make those things happen on our own. You've been doing this for a really long time. Illuminate STEM itself has been official, let's say, for five years. Is this organization still in the process of becoming what you want it to be? It is. Uh, we're growing, and we get a lot of phone calls. We're always looking for more volunteers. Uh, you know, everyone doesn't have to be a STEM professional. We invite everyone to come out. Uh, we train some of the uh, the volunteers to do more work with the kids. They love it. We feed them. We do very cool things, and we have a lot of fun. We do have uh, some after-school programs. We work with uh, different private schools, charter schools, and uh, and uh, DISD has been one of our partners for some time now. And right now, we're looking to expand to North Dallas really soon. I'm in discussions about that right now. Mm. And we're also finally, finally going to put a program back home in Detroit. Uh, that's been something I've been holding on to for a while because I knew when I did it, I wanted to do it right. So I'm going to I'll be moving my program to Detroit and we're hoping to expand all over the country uh, real, really soon. Uh, we get calls from all over the country, even in different countries. Uh, you know, we've gotten calls from Australia, Ghana, uh, the UK, Guyana. I went to Guyana earlier this year and they've. I worked with some young ladies over in Guyana over the Internet on Google video and taught them how to program a robot. Cool. So so we're, we're looking to expand uh, we, we have a great time, but, you know, I think the key component for myself and other professionals that work with us is that we're focused on the technology of t- tomorrow. You know, we, we're not doing just the, the simple projects that you can do in your classroom. We're doing some really, you know, cool stuff with the 3D printing, which, you know, used to be, oh, we'll weld it together or we'll screw it together. How about you just print it in one piece? So much of the technology that you're talking about is brand new. Yes. This stuff is cutting at, you know, the science clubs that were around when I was a kid. Yeah. Not that great. Yeah. This stuff sounds awesome. It yeah. really does sound fun, and it really does sound like something that you could use in the future. Is that really what you're trying to focus on? That, that is exactly what we're doing. 
Exactly. Uh, we're doing our, our augmented reality, uh, virtual reality. We got a bunch of Oculus Rift goggles that the kids play with. But it's not just for them to play with. I want them to make their own video game, right, that we can sell. Right? I want them to not only turn into STEM professionals, but turn into entrepreneurs. Do the kids adapt to this technology quick? I would think, okay, you've been a professional for a couple of decades, right? I yes. mean, you are at the top of your field as far as robotics engineering go. Yes. Um, but when you give this technology to a kid, as we were talking about earlier, their brains work differently, and they don't necessarily understand things the way you would, which a lot of times in engineering can lead to very interesting and different results. Mm -hmm. So have you noticed that the kids are able to view this technology differently? They do. Uh, but, but some of them uh, pick up on it a little faster than others. Uh, one of the things I really work with the kids on is kind of finding what their sweet spot in the program is. Some of them are very good with their hands and building stuff, mm. but they don't want to be on the computer. I don't want them on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not your thing. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, there are some who are really good programmers, but I wouldn't let them do the building. And we try it out with everyone and see, you know, what is your gift here? Some of them are just really brilliant thinkers, and they, they're not good programmers or uh, good builders. And that's okay because I, I don't draw, and I, I usually don't build, but I have a mind. I can, I can tell you what I want. I have good vision, but you don't want me to build it. Now, it's, programming, I can do. As a teacher, isn't it important to really have people focus on a skill that they will excel at? I think that's something that— oftentimes gets lost where anybody can learn anything. You can do anything. Mm. We're not saying that people aren't capable of learning and doing new and different things. But I do like the perspective that you've got something here. Yes. Go with it and really make the most out of it. Exactly. And that's that's what we do best. We want to find their strength. We'll, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, I was just talking with, uh, you know, somebody about, you know, how, you know, you have people like football teams that have a great individuals, but they don't know how to win as a team. Yeah. And then you have a team who like, the, you know, I, I guess I, I can't believe I'm going to say this on a Dallas station, but like <laughs> the, the Patriots who just put people in a system, right? It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, the linebacker. Of course, someone will have talent, but they drop them in the system. And they consistently know how to win as a team. And that, that's kind of the practice I try to give to my students, say, how do we win as a team? Like, I'm not asking you to be a, pro, a builder and a programmer. I just want you to program. Focus on what you're really good at. We're going to find you a teammate that's going to do the other half. And you guys, you know, uh, figure out how to share the win and make it a win-win situation for them. And I, I think that, that allows them to make new friends, and it makes the world a better place. How can kids get involved with Illuminate STEM? Ah, they just need to go to the website, uh, www.illuminatestem, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-E-S-T-E-M.org. Uh, they go to and register there. They can sign up for our newsletter, and then, uh, they can sign up for our Saturday program. We'll be uh, producing information for our summer camps really soon, probably early in the new year. And if they, they're not sure if they want to sign up just yet, they can always come out and just check us out, see if it's something that they'll enjoy. It's not for everybody because we do a lot and there's a lot of moving around, but uh, we, we do have a lot of fun. And I have consist consistent kids that come back uh, each year. Real quick before we, we end, you've got a new thing happening this April. So it's a little bit far in the calendar, but 2019 in April, you've got a robotics competition that coincides with National Robotics Week 
What's going on with this? Yeah, so for the longest, it's been my goal to have my own robotics competition. Uh, and so the competition will be called Blurred Out Robotics Competition. Uh, Blurred Out is something that I started uh, recently, and it speaks to the kids in the community accepting their intelligence. Uh, so blurring out the stigma that it's not cool to be smart. Uh, many kids that I work with, many of them, they come to me and they say, Mr. Southern, I'm I'm not cool. And I'm like, no, you're, you're cool. You're just fine. And it's interesting because I work with a lot of people who are what people prescribe engineers to be like, lacking personality, very intelligent, <laughs> right? And so when they find me, they're like, well, he's got a lot of <laughs> personality. And so, you know, what does that look like for other kids to feel like it's okay to be part of a robotics club, the coding club? It's okay not to go play basketball, football, baseball, and such. You don't have to be an athlete to be accepted. It takes time for those kids to, to understand that. And with all the uh, the bullying that's going on in our school system right now, when it comes to a, a self-esteem and confidence, those kids need that to be able to say, I'm okay not, you know, not fitting into your box. I'm okay in my box. This is what I like to do. And, and be okay with that. And I've met many kids that aren't okay with that. So we're hoping to uh, have a uh, robotics competition where we're going to bring all the minds into the room. And not, are we, are, not only are we going to bring the young minds, we're going to bring the grown adults uh, who also went through those same kind of challenges, uh, you know, as a youth and might still go through that kind of thing today as adults and bring all of them in the room to realize so the kids can see that there's old grown people that are just like you who went through the same challenges and they're very cool. They're taking care of their families. They make good money and they do a cool job that relates to science, technology, engineering, and math. And I think we're going to do a great job with that. And I'm hoping after we do it here first in Dallas, that it will grow and get some momentum and uh, we take it across the country. Well, I hope nothing but the best for you in the organization, Illuminate STEM. Once again, their website, IlluminateSTEM.org, or give them a call at 972-525-0626. Terrence Southern, founder and chair of Illuminate STEM, has been my guest, sir. It was great speaking with you. Thank I'd you. love to have you back. All right. I'll be back. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 